You're listening to the Creating Your Own Path podcast, episode number 89. Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jen Snyder, and as always, you can listen to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast app. You can also catch a new episode each week at creatingyourownpath.com. So hey, we are back, and we're back after a break that lasted a little longer than I had anticipated. Those of you following along over on Instagram or via my newsletter, which is called The Creative Digest if you're new here, um, you likely know why I took an extended break. But for those of you who subscribe to this show elsewhere, um, I really wanted to thank you for being so patient and to kind of fill you in a little bit. My stepmom passed away on Labor Day after a year-long battle with ovarian cancer. Now, I'm going to do my best not to cry as I record this, but as you can imagine, things have been pretty sad around here. My stepmom, Debbie, was diagnosed with advanced stage ovarian cancer right before I left for last year's cross-country CYOP road trip, and she was the first to pipe up and tell me that there was absolutely no way she'd let me cancel the trip in order to stay close to home. She basically said, you're going, call us and send us updates and pictures along the way. So that is what I did. She was incredibly encouraging, especially when it came to the show and the work I do elsewhere. So even though today's interview has nothing to do with cancer or illness, I really want to dedicate it to her. She was a very significant part of my life for the last 30 years, and it's still pretty unbelievable to me that she's no longer here. So many of you have asked if there is anything you can do to help, and that's a really hard question to answer. You know, grief is just a really personal journey. However, uh, at the end of the show, I am going to be sharing how we're honoring her memory and our family, and you can decide if helping in that way feels right for you. One thing I know for sure is that Debbie would have loved today's guest, and that's because today's guest is someone who understands the power of following through, taking leaps, and approaching business with integrity. Lizzie Okoro of Bunch Magazine is joining me on the show today to kick off my series dedicated to those who create print publications. With Bunch Magazine, Lizzie has built an entire company based on the idea that creative endeavors and business acumen are not mutually exclusive. In the interview, Lizzie chats about how she came to the realization that her creative passions didn't have to be relegated to hobbies, that she could actually build a sustainable business around them. She also goes into the details behind the growth of Bunch over the years, how she and her team share stories across multiple mediums, and why she's found it so crucial to be mindful about how she approaches the business. I think you'll all really enjoy this episode and the episodes that are going to follow in this series, even if you're not interested in launching a print publication. There's just so much we can learn from those who create companies like Bunch Magazine. So let's hear what Lizzie has to say. All right, Lizzie. So you are currently the publisher and editor-in-chief of Bunch Magazine, which has, let's just say it like it is. It has grown into a full-on media company at this point. It is not just a print publication. It is not just online. It's a whole host of other things. So will you tell us a little bit about the magazine's purpose, all of the different sides of it, and how it kind of came to be? 
Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you for that little intro. That was great. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so Bunch Magazine, uh, we are a guide for the daring creative. And so we always say that we're basically um, celebrating creative professionals, uh, telling inspiring stories of how people are building their careers and really merging their passion with their profession. Uh, but we also try to be a huge resource to people. So uh, part of why I wanted to start it is, um, I realized that there wasn't any publication, whether it was a magazine or, um, you know, an online platform or anything like that, that was really speaking to creatives at the time, which was back in 2011. And um, even if they were speaking to creatives, they were, they weren't telling them, okay, well, how do you actually build a career out of your passion? How do you turn something from a hobby into a full-fledged fledged startup? And people didn't really know how to even speak to creatives, even if they were focusing on providing resources or tools, which again, I didn't really find anyone who was doing that. So um, there was a lot of misconceptions around what it means to be creative. People think you're either a starving artist or you're like a part of this lucky 1%. And I'm like, no, there's actionable ways to, to launch your career if you want to be creative. So that's really the purpose of it is just to celebrate creativity, celebrate creatives, but also giving people tangible tools if they want to go ahead and build a career for themselves. Um, and then from the magazine, uh, we definitely had, you have to have an online component to it. So we have our website where we publish exclusive stories every week. And we also have um, offline events, tons and tons of offline events. So whether they're workshops or panels, um, fireside chats, read their launch parties. And um, we also have some fun other events coming up um, that I can get into another time. But yeah, <laughs> that's basically what we do. Now, what about your background? Because I know you were not always running this publication. So how did the magazine start and, and how did you get to where you are today? Yeah. Um, so basically, I, I'm, an, I'm from L.A. originally, but I moved to New York for graduate school and I was on a totally different path. I was studying international affairs, thinking that I would go into education and children's rights. And so you know, it's a really noble cause <laughs> and I really loved it. And it's still something that I think I will pursue at some point. But what I noticed is that I was just meeting these really interesting people. So taking a step back, I went to graduate school at the new school and, um, I don't know if you're familiar, but if you know anything about Parsons, the school of design, they are part of the university. And right. so we share facilities and they're, you know, really prestigious uh, design and art schools. So I'm, I'm, you know, in the same lab as all of these students and um, I'm asking them questions about their career ambitions and they're telling me about jobs and careers that I literally had never even heard of or thought of. And around the same time, um, I had, you know, quite a bit of free time. And so I started blogging as my creative outlet during, um, during graduate school. And I, again, I'd always been a writer. I always freelance written. Um, I had always dreamt of having my own print publication, but I never thought that it was something that I would do right now as a serious career. It's like, oh, once I establish myself as this serious entrepreneur or had you know a serious career, then I'll do that later on because that'll be something for fun. And um, you know, I started blogging. I'm. I'm interacting with these students. I'm meeting tons of creative people just by virtue of living in New York City because that's what happens out there. You're just constantly meeting really interesting, cool people. And suddenly all of the everything started to just connect for me. And it's like, okay, well, 
why am I not actually pursuing something that I've loved and dreamt of since I was a little girl? Like literally, I've wanted a magazine since I was in junior high. And why do I think of creativity as being a hobby and not as a serious career pursuit, especially when I'm interacting with people who are in school building their career, you know, or having these ambitions to actually build a career. And somehow they've figured it out. And then again, I'm meeting all these people uh, in New York City, either through my through my blog, through school, or just by walking around the city. I'm meeting these people who are, again, merging their passion with their profession. And suddenly it was like that light bulb just goes off and it's like, okay, there, there must be people like me who, um, again, have these misconceptions about creativity, who are scared to take the plunge and, because they don't know. They just think you're going to be a starving artist if you do pursue this life of creativity. And then on you know, the flip side, I'm like, well, there are these people who are already brave enough to pursue these creative, creative um, jobs. But where are the resources? Like, who's really telling you how to build your career? You know, if you want to be a doctor, there's endless, there are endless resources. If you want to be a lawyer, endless resources. Creative, uh, I'm not a creative, I'm sorry. There's professional networks. There's so many different resources for you to go to to build your career. But if you want to be a graphic designer, you know, if you want to become a fashion designer, if you want to just be an artist, there are resources there, obviously, but I still felt like people were really unsure of how to monetize, um, monetizing. They knew how to actually practice their craft, but they didn't know how to um, approach it from a business standpoint. So I just, I, I instantly knew that I wanted to make it a print publication. Um, and that came from kind of like, nostalgia a little bit like I'm a millennial but I'm a little bit on the older side of being a millennial and so this is for me you know my whole entire life uh, growing up there were no blogs to look at there was no Instagram to look at if I wanted to know about a world outside of myself it was through a print publication so I had tons of you know magazine subscriptions and things like that so it just it almost seemed like a no-brainer but it also was a strategic choice because I knew that I wanted people to take me seriously and I kind of wanted that instant legitimacy that a print magazine has. So I I was just like, okay, I'm going to create this print magazine and let's do it. So yeah, that's a little bit of the background. I I definitely pivoted like completely (laughs) from my career. I would say, Um, (laughs) which is really interesting. And you said, you said so many great things right there. You're absolutely right that there, and even even now, I feel like there are more and more resources. I mean, I I would like to think of this podcast as a small resource for people. Um, but uh, there's still a misconception, right? I still mm-hmm. feel like there is a gap between mm-hmm. the business and the art, whatever yes. the art is, you know. And um, and that's why I love your publication so much, is because you do as much as humanly possible to bridge that gap yeah. for people you know, I kind of want to talk about you, you mentioned, you know, why you decided to have a print publication. So I'm curious, how do you decide what content lives where, you know, you've said you have events, you have, you, you know, you guys do have a huge digital presence Mm -hmm. and then you've got your print publication. So how do you like balance all of that? How, how do you decide what goes where? That's a great question. Um, and it's something that we have to constantly think about. Um, what I say the easiest way to decipher it is we try to profile profile people on our website. So just kind of like straight up profiles. We don't really 
um, divert too much from that format online uh, for our online website. Um, so it's just kind of like, here's a business person that you should know about, or here are products that you should know about. But in terms of like even the people that we profile, the stories that we share, it usually comes down to like a time sensitivity thing. So, you know, does this person, are they launching a new collection? Um, what's going on at the time? Do we, is it something that we need to like push out faster because with the magazine that's something that takes like three to six months to produce so that those stories have to be we have to be very conscious and mindful of the stories that we share um, in print because it needs to be something that is not time sensitive that can last for a very very long time even now like we want to make sure that you pick up you can pick up, you know, the very first issue of the magazine and it still feels relevant and fresh and these are timeless stories um, versus something online where it's like, okay, well, here's someone cool that you should really know about. They have something coming out, you know, in the next week or two or something that just came out. So let's share this story really quickly. So that's kind of how we decipher between like what goes onto our website and what doesn't. And we always, you know, tell people too, just because you're on though on our on featured on bunchmag.com it doesn't mean that we can't feature your story um in a different way in the magazine in the mag the print magazine itself we divide it up into three chapters i would say mm-hmm. the first part of it is um we share like those business tips and tools and resources and products that you should know about as a creative. The second part of the of the magazine is uh, just those inspiring stories, like how people are building their careers, maybe what obstacles they face. And really, that's when we really get into like the long storytelling narrative piece. And then the third part is just like a celebration of creativity. Because at the end of the day, it is about art in a way. And so those are like our photo editorials and our travel diary and we have creative writing and it's just kind of like a no holds barred section to celebrate and publish the work of the creatives that you know we talk about and feature so that you can actually see what it is that people are creating and not just from like a very businessy standpoint so um again we it really does come down to like how like the magazine the print issue itself is like slow storytelling in a sense and the online platform is just like a way for us to stay in touch with our audience in between issues. I'm just like, here's some fast, quick information that's still useful, but it's a little bit more time sensitive. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And, um, and I think, you know, for people who aren't in uh, like the publishing world, you know, like whether, whether you're talking about creating content online or in print or both, you know, I don't think you always get the behind the scenes of it. You know, you don't know, well, why was that in a magazine? Like, what what was the purpose right. of putting it in a magazine versus putting it online? And, you know, um, I write for various publications, and it's always a consideration. And that's part of the reason I, I wanted to have this, this segment focused on people who produce in print, because so much of the world lives online. And yes. <laughs> um, it's such an a different way to tell stories and it's I love it so much and um I'm also thank you I, I don't I hate the word millennial but I am um, also on the <laughs> on the older um end of the spectrum I guess I'm like this barely yeah. a millennial <laughs> um and so so I, yeah. I just like you I grew up with print and so I think it's so cool to see people you know doing this so 
my next question is kind of always like a touchy one, but I know you, you have said to me that you're an open book, so so I'm, I'm not going to pry too far, but I'm curious <laughs> about the money because print yeah. is hard. Like print yeah. is tough. Yeah. So how does Bunch Magazine, you know, across the board, so like events, print publication, online, all of your different like arms of the business, how do you stay financially viable? Like what's your financial structure? How does that work? Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm totally happy to answer that question because when I started uh, back in 2011, that was again like the height of blogging. Really, like that, around that time, that people, everyone and their mom had a blog for every single thing. Everything was digital, 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 and it still is, obviously. Um, but it was also the time that like Kinfolk uh, magazine launched, and oh, people sure. were like really excited about that, and that definitely reinforced this idea to me that there was space and room for print and that it was a viable model. But, you know, they were ad-free and there was this whole push for ad-free magazines. Like indie magazines can't have advertisements. You know, even to go along with that too, like there just wasn't a lot of resource sharing and there weren't a lot of resources about how to actually publish an indie magazine. So I went into it very blindly as a business model. I just thought, you know, like any other product, you make the product, you sell it directly, you, you know, recoup your expenses that go into it, but whatever profit you make is the profit that will sustain your business. You know, if you make a t-shirt, you sell your t-shirt and hopefully you have enough left over to, you know, have a profitable business. And that's not how it goes in the magazine world at all. Like not even a little bit. And I didn't really understand that until maybe like a year and a half to two years later after I started it. So we were really struggling financially in the beginning. So I was finishing up grad school and also working full time uh, and also working on bunch full time. So I was still bootstrapping in the beginning. So it was okay that we weren't making a ton of money. Um, But basically a, a print magazine, you know, about 97 to 98% of your revenue comes from advertisement. That's it. And, you know, and then the other like 1% goes to, is this like from subscriptions and the last 1% is from directly selling it. And so I meet a lot of young indie magazine publishers or people who want to get into this and they're like, oh, I don't want ads. I don't want this. I don't want that. And I have to remind them like, yeah, that's what I thought too. (laughs) And then, you know, if you want to like struggle out for a while, then you might want to reconsider that model. And so basically we, we um, are floating, you know, not just floating, but we are um, making our money by advertisements, but we don't just do traditional flat page ads, like things like that. We really try to make it interactive and create partnerships with people that make sense or collaborate with people so that it makes sense for them and for us. Um, And so if you buy an ad in the magazine, you don't just get the traditional print advertisement. We do social support through social media and um, we might create content for our advertisers as well. So on our own, we produce like videos, we produce photo shoots, we do a lot of other stuff that starts to get into creative agency mm-hmm. um, work. And that's really where that's where all of our money really comes from. So even if you see an ad in the magazine, we're still working with um, other brands and companies who like our style, who like our aesthetic. And we obviously have like this entire network of photographers, videographers, makeup artists, stylists, et cetera, writers who we work with on a regular basis. And so companies will come to us and say, hey, you know, 
this is what the type of project we're looking for. Can we contract you to creative direct or to do a photo shoot or to do a video shoot? So that's really how we make our money. And what I actually ended up noticing, and if you kind of look at the indie magazine world right now, what's ended up happening is most magazines either have a creative agency uh, department that they create like after Mm-hmm. You know, after they launch, or it's a creative agency that then creates a magazine as a product. Um, right. So that's, and I, I just, I wish I would have known that. Like, right. Nobody told me that. Nobody told me that. And, you know, and that's a part of what happens when you kind of dive in head first and you don't really come from that world or don't have that background. And it's okay. You know, it's trial and error and it's what you learn, you know, because you don't know what you don't know. But yeah, that is how we make our money. And then in terms of events too, like um, we like it's always open to the public. We don't really charge anything. I don't. Yeah, we we have never charged anything to participate in um, in one of our events. Like the parties that we launch, the workshops, it's always free for people to come and enjoy. And then um, advertisers will help sponsor some of those events. Um, so that offsets the cost for us and because we just, you know, we want people to like come and learn. And at the end of the day, we really want our readers to not only feel like they are represented by the magazine, but like they can be a part of it and that they are living their best lives and using Bunch as a tool to be able to do that. So we never really want to charge people to have that experience. Right, right. And it's always, again, it's like that balance, you know, like, where the money has to come from somewhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, does it come from the people who are enjoying the product? Right. Whether the product is an event, a, a t-shirt, a magazine, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, or does it come from, you know, financial support from sponsors, advertisers, those sorts of things. And it's something right. as a content creator, you know, this podcast, you know, I don't have a lot of advertisers yeah. or sponsors. Um, and part of, I could, I could have some <laughs> advertisers that would not make any sense to the listener. Right. You know, and so yes. and I, people have reached out and I, I'm like, I don't even know what your product is. Right. Like, I don't even I don't I don't get it. Like, I don't understand it. So how am I going to tell the story to my listeners and have it be useful to them? Exactly. Because I think what you, you, you touched on that and that it has to make sense for you. It has to make sense for the sponsor or advertiser in your case. Um, and it has to make sense for your readers. Like you're not going to publish something in your magazine that's like totally out of left field, you know, um, that wouldn't even make sense to your particular audience. And so I think it's really cool to see publishers like you, uh, and others, you know, being just really intentional about that. Um, because in the end, I think it also benefits the advertiser, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It definitely does. It doesn't make sense, you know, for so many reasons. One is if you pay to be a part of my magazine, but, you know, we're we're looking for tools and resources and brands that are cool and have a certain aesthetic and but also would buy something like our, our readers would buy something from you, you know, and you're talking about like selling mom jeans or something that's just really off the mark. Right. It, just, it wouldn't, it, first of all, it would make us look bad because our readers are looking for authenticity. They're looking for a certain level of quality. Um, and then they know that, like, okay, you're taking this money because you're desperate. That doesn't look good. But it also, there, there's no benefit to you at the end of the day. You're just going to be resent, you as a brand would be resentful of me because no one would actually engage with your advertisement. 
because it didn't make sense in the first place. Right. So, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. yeah it, let's it just throw it hard. out there. There's mm-hmm. a place for mom jeans, but there it might is. not be Munch Magazine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? It could be. If it's a story, if there's a story <laughs> attached about daring creativity, perhaps. But Right, right. <laughs> I don't even know what mom jeans are anymore. I, think I don't either. A, a 90s <laughs> yeah. thing happening. But yeah. Yeah, right. The 90s are back, so it's all working out. So, um, but anyway, I digress. But 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 I think it's it's an interesting point to make that like even if so even if it might be a reach, there may be an interesting angle to take. Right. Right. And that's where like your creative creativity comes into play. But it really, at least, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but for me, it comes down to like whether the listeners will, you know, care. Mm-hmm. Will they care about this brand story? No, then it's not for it's not for me. It's not for this podcast. And I, I I'm getting from you that it's it's very much the same for you. Oh yes, absolutely. It just it has to make sense. There has to be the people these days are looking for you know, authenticity, they're looking for transparency. I think there was like, you know, a golden age for advertising and now people have to adapt and they're looking for like experience, experience, they're looking for experiential marketing. They're looking for something that's outside of the box. Um, That's why it's so hard for print to even compete because people are looking for digital, you know, they want a fast return, a quick return, et cetera, et cetera. And print doesn't necessarily give that. And they don't, print doesn't always give the interactivity that people are looking for. So now it's, it's turned into more of like advertorials. That's what you'll start to see more rather than just a straight up ad. You'll see advertorials, something that's, that's more of a story, like a brand story. How can we tell your story? How can we showcase your product in a way that, um, our readers have never really seen before or wouldn't know otherwise. So people are becoming, they're just, they're sick of just the straight up commercial or, you know, just something that's so in your face. They really want to, to feel like a seamless integration into their life. And one of the best ways to do that is like either through, um, a story or an like a on-site brand activation. I feel like I'm using like supermarkety words, but That's okay. people, yeah, but people are looking for something different out of the box. Um, and people don't mind like you know our this generation they don't mind advertising. They just want something that's cool, you know, and that's interesting. That's not so crazy in your face. So you, we definitely have to adapt and be constantly thinking of who we can partner with, who, you know, who makes sense. And then from there, what can we do that's different? You know, what can we do that people would actually enjoy? So. Well, you said two words. You said enjoy and interesting. Yeah. Those two things I think are it, right? Like I have to be interested in this, this person's or a brand's story. Mm -hmm. Um, And it has to be enjoyable to experience whether I'm reading it or watching it or listening or whatever. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I don't mean to go down the, the the print path so far just because, you know, people who are listening are, you know, they're artists, they're makers, they're crafters, they're doing all sorts of different things. Yes. And so, um, but I think all of that applies, right? Right. If your work is interesting and enjoyable, you know, you might have something. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, everyone, people who are listening are from all different walks of life. They have all different backgrounds and they're in a lot of different industries. So Mm -hmm. do you have any kind of overarching advice for people um, in terms of like 
what you wish you knew back then. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then also I'm curious about specifically if people are looking to kind of dive into the world of print publications, what advice you might have for them? Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of advice that I have for, for people who are going into print, I would definitely say, I mean, it's obvious that it's a lot of work. Um, it You have to be very, very mindful of how to balance your digital content versus your print content. That is like a more difficult thing than I thought it would be because especially when you're starting off, you need to incentivize people to actually purchase your print magazine, right? But then you can't be completely offline. You have to figure out a way to balance both. And the sooner you can do that, the better. Um, and again, it's just uh, really understanding that business and financial model. I It was something that I did not understand at all when I first got into it. And um, again, whenever, it's not very often that I meet people who want to do a print publication, but it's happening more and more and more. I would say that I take those types of meetings like at least three to four times a month with someone who's either just starting or thinking about starting. And so they seek out advice. And I just say, you know, don't be afraid to go ahead and jump into the financial part of it like sooner than later. Because if this is truly a business for you and not just like a hobby, you're going to have to figure out that financial piece. So it's great if you don't want advertisements, but understand that this may not be something that's super profitable for you um, immediately then because the whole entire thing is based on how much uh, revenue you can get from either sponsorships, brand partnerships, advertisements, whatever you want to call it. Um, at the end of the day, you're going to need someone to pony up the money. Right. <laughs> you know, so figure that out soon, 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 fast, fast, quick, and in a hurry. Uh, <laughs> but then just in terms of like advice and best practices for anyone like I say talk to as many people as possible. Uh, what I've noticed in particular, especially with women, because there's a lot of conversation around like women in business and women um, being empowered and being like a you know kick-ass girl boss and all of that. The one thing that I think kind of separates the way that women approach business versus the way that men sometimes approach it is men don't ask. Like, it's kind of annoying, <laughs> but men don't ask for things, you know, like they tell you, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm worth. Cut me a check for $500,000. Like, right, right. They, they kind of have that bravado and it works for them. And women, we're always, you know, thinking about other people before ourselves. Maybe not always, but a lot of times we're thinking, oh, am I bothering someone by sharing this with them? If, am I bothering them by asking? And we're, you know, we're going over it in our heads like 20, 30, 40. 40 times before we actually ask, like, is this, is this email crafted the right way? Am I pitching the right way? Am I, you know, you, where we, we tend to overthink things um, in that way. Not always, obviously, sure. but something that even I suffer from, and I feel like I'm a very confident person, but I find myself talking myself out of things. And I say just ask for what you want. Um, and tell people, talk to people. Uh, again, I see it with friends who are starting, you know, who are trying to start their own business. They're, we're all, all very shy. We play things close to our chest and we, because we don't want people to judge us or we're afraid of failure. And so we're like, okay, well, I'm just I'll tell people what I'm doing. Like after I've started it right? and right. <laughs> what ends up happening is you, you're missing out on a great opportunity for people to give you feedback early on 
connect with you early on, um, possibly connect you with other people who can help you early on. That's something that I did. I, I didn't tell anyone that I was working on Bench Magazine until the first issue was like about to come out. Um, and like, I sent this email to like all my family and friends, like, Hey, I've been working on this secret project for like a year. Um, you should buy my magazine. And all of my friends were like, what? I would have connected you with this person or that photographer, or I would have designed your website for you for free. Or, you know, why didn't you tell me these things? And I, I see so many people making that same mistake because we're afraid that, you know, outside, um, of outside opinions, and I, I would just say talk to as many people as possible because you never know who can help you. And you'd be so surprised at how many people want to help you. So ask for what you want. Tell people what you're doing. And I promise a whole world will open up to you. Ooh, that's good advice. <laughs> <laughs> good. I'm glad. Oh, my gosh. Because I, I had a similar experience where I didn't tell people about a project I was working on. And, and like that wasn't the only contributing factor to its failure, but it was huge mm-hmm. to not kind of let people in and, and to get that early feedback, I think is, you know, it's hard to hear feedback, especially if it's not what you want to hear, but, yeah. um, but it's so, so valuable because even just that really difficult feedback to hear, you may find a way to like tweak something just a little bit. Right. So it's not exactly. even a hard fix. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and it can make a huge difference. So that is such great advice. So where is the best place online to find out more about you and Bunch Magazine? Sure. Um, you can go to bunchmag.com, B-U-N-C-H-M-A-G.com. Um, you would not be, you. I mean, you would be surprised at how many people call it Brunch Magazine. Oh. Or like... <laughs> Or who have literally, for whatever reason, I'll say Bunch Magazine, and they'll be like, how do you spell that? I have no idea. It just, it, I don't know what the disconnect is. But Well, Brunch Magazine sounds awesome too, but, but it it's definitely does. Bunch Magazine. Yes. <laughs> um, no, Brunch Magazine does sound good, and we're definitely going to be doing a brunch series called Brunch with Bunch because, nice. <laughs> because it's happened so often. We're like, we have to actually play this up. But uh, yeah, you can find... Um, you can find my contact information um, on the website as well. We don't hide. Uh, but yeah, bunchmag.com. You can find all of our social handles there. But I can tell you now, um, Instagram, we're at Bunch Magazine. And on Twitter and uh, Facebook, we're at Bunch Mag. Uh, so yeah, that's where you can find us. And you can pick up copies of the magazine there directly from us or find our stockists um, online as well so that you can find out where we're at, uh, where we're sold at around the country. Lovely. Well, yeah. thank you, Lizzie, for your time today. Oh my I God, really, really thank appreciate you. it. Oh, thank you. This was so awesome. I'm really, I'm really honored that you even asked me. So, Of course. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. So that was Lizzie, you guys. If you haven't ventured over to the Bunch Magazine website or picked up a copy of the print publication, you can find everything you need to know over at bunchmag.com. Of course, I'm linking up to that and everything else we mentioned in today's episode over at creatingyourownpath.com. That is also where you'll find a link for Southern Oregon Friends of Hospice, which is the way you can help us honor my stepmom's memory if you're so inclined. End-of-life care is such an important thing to consider, and it's one of the hardest things to talk about. 
as a family, we were just incredibly grateful to have such a wonderful team of palliative care specialists, hospice nurses, and social workers who helped make sure my stepmom was comfortable and out of the immense amounts of pain she had been experiencing throughout her treatment. It's really hard to imagine managing this process without all of those people. Um, and so in lieu of things like flowers, my family is asking that donations be made in Debbie's name as a way to ensure that others get the same incredible treatment she received. Again, you will find the direct link over in the show notes at creatingyourownpath.com. And please know that if giving these sorts of donations is just not your thing, that is totally okay. I'm only throwing this out there for those who have asked how they can show their support. Okay, that is it for this week, you guys. Thank you again for your patience as I took this extended break. I will be back next week with a very candid chat with Chris Brown from Refueled Magazine. As always, thank you for listening, and I will catch you next week.